Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. In this episode, episode zero, I explain my story, why pleasure is the antidote, and I recommend why we should all be on the pleasure path for richer, fuller, and more loving lives. Today I'd like to share with you a little bit more about me, what lights me up, why I started this podcast, and what my dreams and desires are. So I'll share a little bit about my story and my passions. I came into this work of pleasure, femininity, love and dating, mentorship and leadership through a pretty winding route, which is very typical of the feminine. It really began all the way back when I was young, which I'll get to in a little bit. Um, But my whole world really opened up maybe five, six years ago when I started following the path of pleasure and the path of femininity. Now, I know many of you are thinking, well, why does it have to be about feminine or masculine? Why can't it just be about being a human? And I totally agree with you. We all have feminine energy within us. We all have masculine energy within us. This is just to create a dialogue, an inspiration, I hope, and an example through the different people that I have on the podcast and through my own journey of what it's like to carve out time for your pleasure and to follow a different path than maybe the pushing yourself to the extreme or the hyper-masculine route that we see so often in our culture. So one of the reasons this is so important to me is because I am the product of a relationship that was not healthy and what I needed for my own development. It gave me so many gifts that I am deeply, deeply grateful for. And it also created a lot of wounds and pain that I felt very driven to heal, to connect with, and to then share with others. So one of my mantras is to feel it, heal it, and reveal it. If we're not feeling it, it's going to be hard to heal it. And through healing it, and we can help create a revealing that then inspires others and helps us to feel even more connected to our communities and to our path. So the pleasure bath is really about getting off of the linear track, the A to B or A to Z or however you want to say it. And it's about letting yourself be guided through what feels good and finding what feels good in any circumstance that arises. So just because you follow your pleasure doesn't mean that life isn't going to present you with challenges. It doesn't mean they're just going to sit on your couch watching YouTube and eating Cheetos all day. Although, if you want to have a day like that, that is totally fine too. Oftentimes in our culture, we have this glorification of pleasure. You know, everything is convenience. Everything is glittery. Everything is about the shiny object or the brand new toy or all of those things. And that is a representation of pleasure. Absolutely. But what I want to convey and talk about on this podcast is really the deeper pleasures, the deeper pleasures of authentically finding yourself, of authentically finding communion and union with someone else, and of uh, building and blending the path of both spiritual and sensual. And lots of traditions have covered this, so this isn't necessarily anything new. 
but I just want to offer my lens on it. So my view is that when the feminine is shut down from pleasure, when it's shut down from her own body and her own sensuality, which it has been for centuries, there is toxicity. There is a smothering of the feminine, a shutting down of the feminine, and then the hyper-masculine comes out, the toxic masculine comes out, women start adapting or feminine starts adapting more masculine qualities, and there is a massive imbalance. This means that we're taking more than we're giving. This means that we are pillaging the earth, that we are not attuning to each other, that we're focused on transactions versus on relationships. And the way of the pleasure path is to focus on what feels good for you and what feels good for others and not necessarily sacrificing either of those. So it's not following your pleasure at the detriment of other people's well-being And it's also not following others' well-being or others' pleasure or others' needs at the detriment to your own. I believe strongly that we all can win, in quotations, and by winning, I mean feeling the benefits of following our pleasure, living a life that's attuned to our energetic nature, and to really unfolding and creating a new humanity based on these different principles, what I would say are more collaborative, more feminine, more creative principles. So I won't spend every show talking about pleasure or the difference between feminine and masculine, but I just wanted to highlight some of those key distinctions. So back to my story about stumbling onto the path of pleasure, how it opened everything in my world for me, and how it completely changed my life. So when I was young, I was sexually abused by a family member, and it was actually something that I didn't even remember until I was later in my journey. I was on the mat in Shavasana at the end of yoga class. I had actually taken a day off. It was the first time in my life I had ever taken like a mental health day where I wasn't necessarily sick, but I knew I just needed some time. And at the end of that yoga class, I had some memories surface. Now, at this point, I had not been to a therapist. I knew that maybe something was a little bit strange with my my relationships and my sensuality, but I had no idea that that was actually what was underneath all of that. And so there's something said about one in three women have experienced some sort of sexual abuse, whether it was happening when they were younger, whether it was abuse in the office, whether it was uh, harassment or whether it was any other of the varieties of sexual abuse and trauma that happen out there. And when I had this memory come up, I was totally bewildered and also felt a deep place of resonance and truth in my body. And it ignited this desire to heal. My boyfriend at the time, when I told him, said that I was crazy. There were times when I felt dissociated when we were being intimate and he would push me away and, or sorry, I would push him away because I was feeling uh, so disassociated and so shut down. And I was having a lot of traumatic uh, responses come back up in the body. And he would be very upset with me and say, well, why don't you like sex? What's wrong with you? And deeper than feeling that shame and feeling that confusion and that bewilderment was the sense that I just couldn't make relationships work. So I remember having a crush on a boy in my class when I was in third grade, and I remember journaling about him. And then I remember having a crush on another boy when I was in sixth grade. And I remember feeling terrified of boys and of dating. I remember an incident where I was rollerblading with one of my friends across a lake by where I grew up. 
And we went to this little uh, like convenience store slash, you know, paper store or like a Hallmark type store. And they had little candies. And so we were buying the candies. And uh, I just remember feeling flushed with embarrassment when I was checking out, um, trying to give my money to this probably high school student at the time when I was in middle school and just feeling absolutely like I wanted to crawl out of my skin. I remember another incident where there was uh, an older, again, a few years older boy And he was kind of flirting with me a little bit. And I just burst into tears. Like, I couldn't handle the pressure. I had so much negativity about myself and so much confusion about how to flirt and what it meant to be, you know, in touch with my sensual energy. So fast forward then to when I was in high school and I had my first boyfriend. And I remember him trying to touch me, you know, and I would push him away and I would say no. And at the time, I thought it was because of religious beliefs. You know, I was really into going to church. And at that point, I had thought I was going to wait until I was married to to enjoy, you know, a sexual relationship. But looking back, yeah, there were so many times when I was needing to push him away, feeling repulsed, knew that something was going on in me that was not uh, exactly, uh, how do I want to say it, (laughs) was not a healthy unfolding of the intimacy that I wanted to have with a partner. And so, of course, I dated throughout college, and I ended up getting married to a man that I dated my last year, my senior year. And we had a beautiful relationship in many ways, and in many ways it was totally shut down. I think I could count on less than two hands the number of times that we had intercourse And there was probably something very safe for me in that, even though I wasn't conscious of it at the time, that I could just relax, that I didn't have to feel the pressure to contact the sexual energy that was so, you know, uh, explosive and, and dangerous. So quickly that ended up becoming a problem. We were together for six years, married almost five. And when I was around 27, I just felt this strong desire to be expressed in every part of my relationship, including the sensual part of my relationship. And I'm embarrassed to say that at the time, I did not have the skills, the tools, the support to know how to navigate that. So I would wait until I was drunk, and then I would tell him I was unhappy or that I wanted to divorce or that I wanted to have more, you know, sex in our marriage. Or I would, um, you know, ruminate about this or find myself being attracted to other people, even though there was no cheating or anything going on. Uh, And I remember one time at work, someone asked me that I didn't know my name. And I actually said my maiden name, even though I'd been married five years. And it was like, wow, my psyche is really uh, not gelling with this relationship, this marriage. So when that ended, it was a new area for me to explore. Not even just the sexuality piece, although of course that happened, but about who am I as a woman? What does it take to create a relationship? What am I doing with my life? You know, at the time I'd been working for General Mills and I had this wake up call, like, I don't want to wake up and be 45 and have devoted my life to selling, you know, fruit snacks to kids that don't even have any fruit in them. So I was kind of on my soapbox, but I really, I really wanted to do something that was more meaningful, that had more purpose. And so at that time I started exploring coaching, I went to a therapist. Uh, I went to all of these different ways and, and avenues that I could find greater wholeness. And I found that something that was really missing from all of those places was embodiment, staying connected to my body 
and also sexuality. And it was so strange because it's such a big part of who we are. It's what creates life. It's what creates passion. It's what is a big part of most relationships of love. And so as I was going through my healing journey, I started meditating. I started doing yoga and then I started teaching yoga. I was, you know, focusing on a lot of different spiritual teachers and reading every book that I could get my hands on. And I found that my desire to be perfect was just then placed into my yoga practice, placed into my meditation practice, placed into this idea of who I was in this new identity as someone who was single after being married for five years. And this thread of perfection was woven so tightly. I grew up thinking, well, if only I'm perfect, then I will be loved. If I get good enough grades, if I say the right thing, if I do the right thing, if I'm quiet, if I play the piano enough, and I'm not alone in that. So many of us grow up feeling like we're only lovable when we're performing or when we're making things easier, you know, for our parents. And so this perfectionism was starting to really get to me, creating anxiety, creating obsession with my body image, and creating a ton of pain in my relationships. So it was very hard for me to love myself and therefore very hard for me to receive any love from others. After the divorce, I was single almost 10 years before meeting my now husband. And during that time, there were a few people that I dated that were more than, you know, just a few months, but I was caught in this vicious cycle. And ladies, I think many of you will relate where you meet someone, you date for a few weeks, and then all of a sudden they ghost you or all of a sudden you get that pit in your stomach and you know that it's over, even if the other person hasn't said anything yet. So during the time that I had the one boyfriend that I told you the story about, that I was having a lot of challenges because of old trauma coming up, there was another man that I had dated that was cheating on me during the time, even though I didn't really know that. Uh, another man that I dated who was <laughs> telling me that he wanted, you know, to be exclusive and everything, but then was trying to sleep with one of my friends. And that was just a total disaster. <laughs> so I went through the ringer when it comes to dating and relationships and exploring what it meant to be a woman in love. And this foundational piece was loving myself and all of myself, not just the good girl who performs, not just the woman who tries to be perfect and look a certain way, and not just the person who's aching for love, but also my sexuality, also my desire to be held, also all those shadowy pieces of myself where I was afraid to be vulnerable, afraid to let down my guard, afraid to stand up for myself and ask for what I wanted and needed. I was totally stuck in people-pleasing, and I was terrified to leave any relationship or even just dating someone, thinking that, well, I really need and want love. So I was a desperate hot mess <laughs> some of those times. Even though on the outside, maybe it looked like I had everything together, on the inside, I was totally hurting. And so along this path, I met a few different teachers who started talking to me about femininity. And it was like a foreign concept. I was not even sure what that word really meant. I had a mistaken association that it meant dressing a certain way or wearing lipstick. 
And I was firmly not a girly girl. I grew up uh, camping and fishing and being, you know, a tomboy and being told to be tough and having competitions with my siblings for how many push-ups we could do and, you know, running and playing sports and being very active. And even though I eventually joined a sorority in college, my first year I was so repulsed by that idea of being a sorority girl. I had so many mental concepts and judgments and things that were keeping me from exploring who I really was. And then through this process of finding out what is femininity, I had a lot of rebellion against the idea of femininity and masculinity because it seemed so dualistic. It seemed so polarizing. I had been doing enough spiritual study in, you know, Buddhism at the time that I thought, what the heck is this? Like, really? I'm, I'm not even, I don't even really have a gender on a spiritual level. Like, why would I even care about sexuality? And why would I even care about femininity and masculinity? Slowly, I started to peel back the onions of the, the layers of the onion and slowly started to explore for myself, like, well, what, what could this concept teach me? In a 3D reality, what is it that it could unlock in me? Could I find greater love? greater wholeness, even though we're inherently whole. So it's nothing outside of me could make me whole. But it's this idea of, of feeling more comfortable in my own skin, of creating a loving relationship that actually lasted, and to actually embracing the scared, vulnerable, more shadowy parts of myself. And one of those teachers was also very strong about integrating sexuality. And this is not one of those teachers of modern day where they're abusing their students or something is happening. There was nothing like that between me and my teacher. It was just simply the recognition that we can choose to have suffering and strife in our life. Or we can choose to celebrate that which feels good. And that includes feeling good through a nice, you know, bottle of wine or a bar of chocolate or through a sexual experience or through just the feeling of the breeze against our skin you know, our culture has stigmatized pleasure to mean sex, and it means so much more than that. Pleasure, according to the dictionary, is just happy satisfaction, like feeling satisfied with something in a way that feels happy. So you can take pleasure in planning a trip. You can take pleasure in seeing your child begin to walk. You can take pleasure in the sun rising and the sun setting. But most of the time, we don't slow down to enjoy the pleasures in our life. We have a weird relationship with pleasure. And we have a puritanical view that pleasure only comes after we do a certain amount of things or in a certain way, making them perfect. But what I found as I started on my own journey of pleasure and as I started mentoring women in femininity, dating, love and pleasure is that it actually works the opposite for many, many women. And that is you follow the pleasure, you find the pleasure, you do what feels good. And things come quickly then. The accomplishments happen faster. You feel better in the process. You move to what you're wanting in a way that feels more aligned with who you really are. And so the path of pleasure doesn't mean that you're just chilling out. The pleasure path means that you're doing what feels good, you're following what feels good, and you're allowing yourself to feel good even in the midst of what you might consider suffering so that you can experience the most full radiant, exquisite, luscious, beautiful life for you and everyone around you. And this is an important time to be on the pleasure path and to be exploring your femininity. And that's because the way that we're doing things does not work. It's not working. Systems are breaking down all around us. 
The planet is going through global warming uh, to the extreme. I don't need to get into all of the, the things that are coming up, but, you know, Me Too, obviously what's going on politically, although I promise I'm not going to get into politics on this podcast. The time is now to be on the pleasure path. The time is now to follow your femininity. And the reason why is that I strongly believe that when women are in touch with their pleasure and with their sexuality and with their bodies, they make much better choices for themselves. Because when I started following my pleasure and being in touch with my femininity and my body, I no longer stayed in relationships that weren't serving me. I no longer hoped that the guy would just stick around or find value in me. I no longer let myself get passed up for promotions and other opportunities at work. One of the lessons that I went through is to find out that on the leadership team that I was on, everyone but me was invited to a three-day offsite in Lake Tahoe. And when I found this out, I asked my boss, I said, why, why am I not invited to that? And he said, oh, your department doesn't need to be represented. You know, they're not going to talk that much about your apartment, your department. And the old me would have said, okay, I would have accepted a logical reason to keep me small. And I would have just hunkered down at my desk, finished up the things that I needed to do, and hoped that they would have noticed me some other time, that maybe next year I'd get to go. But because of the work I had been doing with myself, that was no longer an option. I was totally upset because I knew I deserved to be at that conference. It wasn't necessarily that I wasn't invited because of gender. I don't know why I wasn't invited. But the truth is that if everyone else on the leadership team was at that table, I deserved to be at that leadership team too. I had ideas to contribute. I had a department to run, a multi-million dollar department to run. I was doing things for the company that were important, and I deserved to be a part of those experiences. So this was a learning for me to be able to push back and stand up for myself. Had I not been connected to my body and noticing how gross it felt to not be invited and how upset I felt, again, I wouldn't have stood up for myself. Had I not been focusing on what I really needed and wanted and what felt good, I would have just stayed small, like I said, and taken the path of just working harder, working harder, working harder. So I pushed back on my boss a few times, and finally he said, well, you know, you can't come because they've already got the meal plan set. And I laughed. <laughs> I said, you're telling me that I can't come to this important leadership team offsite because of a chicken sandwich? And he got a little flustered and he said, well, I mean, it's just, okay, fine. Okay, fine. And I was so proud of myself for standing my ground, for not letting myself be bullied, for doing what felt right for me, what felt good for me, which was to be included. So typically a feminine value is inclusion and community and a masculine value is more independence or isolation or drawing lines. And so it was great to be included. Now, I felt a little bit awkward because everyone knew I was kind of a late arrival, but I swallowed my pride and I stayed my course and I allowed myself to experience having a seat at the table as I should. So even though most of this podcast is about love and dating and relationships and femininity, there is a ripple effect when we allow ourselves to be in our feminine and when we allow ourselves to feel our feelings and our body and our truth. And that ripple effect affects your work, 
affects your relationships, affects your friendships, affects your creative expression in the world. You are here to create, whether you choose to do that through a relationship, through artwork, through being a mom, through your own business, through playing a a role in politics or in your community. There is so much that we're capable of. And I feel like I'm not even living up to five or 10% of my potential, not because I need to be striving for more, but because there's so much more to enjoy and to express. And that's the beautiful thing about pleasure is that it doesn't end. You don't reach your quota of pleasure and then say, okay, I'm done. You just find new pleasures. The pleasures become richer and deeper and more fulfilling and more nuanced. You challenge yourself to find the pleasure in things that feel really tough, really difficult, you know, sad, deep, dark, grieving emotions, the fire of anger, the heat of jealousy. There are so many teachers that can bring us, you know, these these emotions are teachers that can bring us into a deeper communion and union within ourselves, within everything around us. So as I was going through finding myself and my feminine, I was noticing a huge change in how I related to my work world, as I just shared, and how I related to my body. I had spent most of my adult life and my young life not liking my body, hating my body. I remember in high school standing in front of the mirror and using my hands to like push the flesh of my thighs back more so I could look like I had thinner thighs. I remember sucking my belly in. I remember, you know, looking down and feeling ashamed at having what I considered at the time like a little pooch in my lower abdomen when I was 12. And we were going through a lot of transition. We had just moved and I was eating a lot And I wasn't, you know, really connecting to my body. I was doing a lot of emotional eating. But I just had this war with my body where I would work out. I would count calories. I would, you know, go through periods of not really eating that much. I would come up with all these little, you know, tricks to to minimize how much I was eating, like putting in my retainer right after dinner so I wouldn't have to eat later that night. And it was never super extreme, so I don't mean to minimize what other people have or, or are going through. But everything started shifting when I started, A, doing more yoga to stay more in touch with my body and release stress, and B, starting to celebrate my body, starting to wonder and delight at all that she was capable of. So, of course, all that she was capable of in terms of pleasure, but also all that she was capable of in terms of radiating love, in terms of being love in the world. So oftentimes I'll talk with my clients, of course, about finding love and we can, you know, find love as women, but typically more importantly, we are being love. We are being the authentic expression of love as it flows through us. So we might be gathering love through our experiences, just kind of like picking berries in the wilderness, like we're cultivating love, we're picking love, we're gathering love, and we're giving love, we're, re- we're offering our love out into the field, out into the universe. We're not necessarily hunting for love, although that happens too. We can absolutely hunt for love. There's nothing wrong being a powerful female lioness. But typically, it's about enjoying moment to moment the unfolding. And that's how relationship gets built. You can create relationship through structure. You can say, this thing relates to this thing in this way, and therefore, it is a relationship. But that's just the container. That's not the juice that flows inside of it. And typically, the feminine is the energy. It's the richness. It's the aliveness that flows within the container, that flows within the structure. And the structure is considered to be the masculine piece. 
So again, a lot of women, they look for the structure. They look for, you know, are we exclusive or not? Are we married or are we not? Um, what's going on in our relationship? And we need the structure to feel safe sometimes. But oftentimes we're focusing on the structure to the exclusion of the pleasure, the juice, the energy, the richness on the inside of the relationship. And that container just get fill, gets filled up by that moment by moment, interaction by interaction. And even recently I was thinking, how can I live my life more as a prayer of love, more as an offering of love? What if every word was coming from a place of love? What if every expression, every movement was coming from a place of deeper and deeper love, of being a transmission of this prayer in service for love? And so you'll notice in the podcast that, yes, I get kind of woo-woo and I get kind of spiritual. And that is just who I am. I love finding the spirituality within all of our physical expressions. I love finding the sacredness within sexuality. And I love the way that the currents of ascending and descending energy and transformation happen. So part of the pleasure path is being comfortable with the path of descent. So the ascending current of energy is about transcending the human body. It's about becoming more enlightened. It's about focusing the mind and moving beyond this human experience, which I've had plenty of experiences like that through my meditations and and just other happenstance experiences. I had like a near-death experience even just about a week ago that was really illuminating and fascinating. And so I'm not taking away from the ascending current, but we have to get real with the descending current. We have to be okay coming back down into our bodies and feeling the feelings of emotion like shame anger, rage, lust, but also joy, excitement, expansion, delight, contentment. And so coming back down into the body, down into the house of emotions, down into our sensuality, down into our shadow material or our repressed material that we may or may not be conscious of, it is so important to balance out the ascending current. And so when I talk about the spiritual piece, it's because it really serves as part of the polarity between the spiritual and the not spiritual or between the you know mundane. We need both. We need both in our life. And so I'm hoping that this podcast serves as a place that can play between those polarities, the spiritual and the more mundane, and that we can relish and celebrate what it means to be human, including our sensuality, including love, including personal and transpersonal relationships. So I want to come back a little bit to parts of my journey that were really important and pivotal. Pivotal. <laughs> so I shared that first one uh, at the very beginning, which was about my boyfriend who had a very hard time dealing with the fact that I was having sexual trauma come up. And I talked about how my sexual trauma came up and how that was part of the catalyst for me to want to heal. And along with that was these was this experience of short-term relationships, of feeling ghosted, of trying to be perfect, of always waiting for the other shoe to drop, of always having short-term relationships, and then in the long-term relationships, having cheating or other major things going on. And I started to realize that I was responsible for healing from the abuse, from the heartache, from the guardedness, from the lack of healthy boundaries, from not being in touch with my emotions, from dating just for what looked good on paper. All of that was a huge mess. And so many of my teachers were helping, but I noticed there was no one that really congealed all of these things. No one had like the secret sauce that incorporated all of this. 
And this podcast will be talking about that secret sauce, about how to go from single to being in a great relationship. I've worked with clients that were single for eight years before we started working together. And within six months, they were engaged. Now, that might be a little fast, but some of those clients were in their late 40s or early 50s. They knew what they wanted. They were ready for a relationship. They had done a lot of the deep healing work with me, and it was exciting for them to get into that partnership. And they didn't necessarily get married right away. They got engaged and then took a year to get married. But the point is that whatever condition you're in right now, whether you're listening to this and you're a survivor of sexual abuse, whether you're listening to this and you're single and you're sick and tired of being ghosted or not finding enough dates, whether you're married and you feel like your relationship has lost all of its sexuality, all of its chemistry, all of its spark, or whether you're just a woman who's totally on fire for her business or her creative projects and she knows that she could get an extra boost from having more connection with her sensuality and more wholeness and integration, then I'm so excited to connect and communicate with you. So back to some of those major milestones. Another major milestone is when I started really connecting to my vagina. And so I'm going to use terms like that on this podcast. I'm not going to hold back. I'm going to say the word pussy. I'm going to say the word yoni. I'm going to say the word vagina. And so if that is upsetting to you, I apologize. And I want to be able to normalize this conversation. I want to be able to talk about those things because they're a key part of being a woman. Anatomically, it's a big part of what makes us a woman. And so as I became more in touch with my sensuality, I started finding tools like the jade egg, which was pivotal in helping me clear some of my trauma and get in touch with my body. But beyond just clearing the trauma and getting in touch with my body, it was amazing for helping me have more pleasure, more connection during sexual experiences, and to feel really grounded and solid in who I am. So the jade egg has been used for thousands of years. It's from the Taoist tradition, and it was used both by the shamans and also by the emperor and his courtesans and his, you know, royal courtesans. And so it has this very interesting history of being both a shamanic healing tool and then also a tool within the royal palace. And I love that. I find that fascinating because that's that blend of earthiness with the shamans and then sacredness or, you know, however you want to call it with the royal palace um, and the spiritualness of the shamans and then the materialism of the royal palace. So it integrates this beautiful polarity when you think about that tool. And that tool has also been very instrumental for me, staying in touch with myself, even in relationship, even now with my husband. I still have a jade practice. I still have a lot of embodiment practices that help me connect with my femininity and with my pleasure. Because not only does that make our sex life even that much hotter, but it also makes our relationship stronger because I'm staying grounded and staying connected to myself and staying aware of what's going on. Other important milestones that happened on this path of pleasure is really changing the way that I was viewing not only my body, which I talked about, that I had been, you know, having problems with eating and now I trusted her and honored her. And I look in the mirror and I think about like, wow, I look like a goddess. And I've never felt that before until years ago when I was really loving my body in a way of the feminine. And another milestone is the way that I think about working with my clients. Instead of it being transactional, it's about what does this person need in order to find her partner? What does she need in order to be a woman of love? And showing up in a way that's devotional to her versus just focused on what's in it for me. 
So we sometimes think that pleasure is selfish, but pleasure is actually reciprocal. The more that you're in touch with what feels good for you, the more you can give that to other people. So it's really about linking our heart, our intuition, and our sensuality, those energy centers that oftentimes we're either really in tune with one, like really in tune with our heart, but maybe don't have healthy boundaries, or we're really in tune with our sexuality, but we have a hard time creating emotional closeness, or really in touch with our intuition, but we're not able to integrate our intuition into having you know, a job that fulfills us or creative pursuits that really allow us to connect with others. So those are just examples. And later in these episodes, we'll be talking about patterns of attraction, why we're attracted to certain people, why we might get stuck in certain places. Um, but I'm really excited to dive deeper with you into those in, in future weeks. We'll also, of course, be having amazing guests that talk about dating, love, pleasure, femininity, what it means to be a woman, polarity. We're going to have some great male guests on the show. We'll talk about that shadow material that comes up for all of us, especially when we're dating and getting into relationship. And so it's important to even look at relationship as part of the pleasure path. How can we find more pleasure in our relationships? How can we find more love? How can we focus on what's working and still be authentic to ourselves? So some other milestones along the way, we're really taking this concept of pleasure into my friendships. Like, how could I show up for friendships in a way that felt really good for me versus feeling out of obligation or feeling that I needed to somehow coach them or feeling that I didn't have enough friends? Through this path of pleasure, it unlocked so much luscious joy and beauty in the universe that everyone I met all of a sudden was all right. I didn't need to fix them. I didn't need to change anything about them. I didn't need to get my friends to be a certain way. And I also didn't need to cling to friendships that I had not been feeling as resonant with just out of a fear or a scarcity or a fear of abandonment. So it's been really exciting to feel how the path of pleasure has been winding through my life, affecting my relationships, bringing confident, soulful, embodied women into my life as friends, as colleagues, how it's been helping me work with women in my professional work to bring them lasting love, to empower them with the tools to connect to their body, their femininity, their pleasure, to change the patterns of attraction, to flirt in an empowered way, and to get rid of all of that bogusness (laughs) that's out there about five things to text him to make him love you forever. There are so many surface strategic level things that are said that don't really get to the heart of it. If we could create a great relationship from reading one blog post, then everyone would be in a great relationship. Relationships are the most complex things that we will ever do. Yes, technology is complex and all of these other things in our life is complex, but we have a lot more answers in those areas because we can control many of those things. We can control the variables. With two humans interacting, there are infinite variables. Each person, all of their experiences, all of their beliefs, all of their wants, their hopes, their desires, their fears, each person bringing that into the relationship. It is a wonder that we even have any relationships. The reason relationships were, you know, more successful in quotations before is because there was a lot more structure in society that kept relationship going, even if relationship was getting stagnant. But enter online dating and all of these other technologies, and there's very little structure anymore. Very little structure for keeping relationships together. Couples have to really be committed to doing the work together. And so if you are in a relationship, just know that we will be talking about what does that look like to do the work together? 
We'll be talking about masculine and feminine. We'll be talking about communication, arguments, conflict, emotion, vulnerability, creativity, playfulness, money, kids, all of those things. So there's a lot of beautiful things that are going to unfold. And in terms of my own personal relationship with Jason, my husband, it is an ongoing act of devotion and courage to stay connected to each other. We have a great relationship, but it's because we go to the difficult places. In the beginning of our relationship, we both said we're not looking for something that's easy. We're not looking for something that stays on the surface. We're looking for something that changes the planet through our love. And that's going to take grit. It's not going to be easy, but we are here together to serve each other and to let our love radiate out and touch so many people, inspire people, create change, and just be an example of love living together in a way that is authentic and deep and not looking away from those more challenging things that come up. In terms of following my pleasure within relationship, it's also meant that there are times for deep self-reflection. So following your pleasure and being connected to your body doesn't mean that you just stop being self-aware. It doesn't mean that you lose consciousness or that you just put the consciousness responsibility on your partner. It doesn't mean that you stop thinking. It means that you integrate pleasure into your life in a way that creates a virtuous cycle, following what feels good and finding what feels good even in the dark moments, and then giving yourself an awareness of all the times that you've stopped yourself from feeling good. You've cut yourself off. You've mistreated yourself or others. You've shied away from the love that was present in the moment. So when we follow our pleasure, we can actually create the self-awareness around, huh, why haven't I done more of this in the past? What's keeping me from doing more of that? What's the societal conditioning that's telling me that I have to suffer? So many of us, we've made our life full of suffering. It's just what we do. Someone asks, how are we? And we talk about the negative. It just fills our life like a virus. So one of my teachers always says, perfectionism is a virus. Negativity is also a virus. Pleasure is the antidote to those things. Pleasure takes away the negative and it relaxes us so that we're not in such a place of perfection. Now, following my pleasure has also looked like going on pleasure quests. I booked a trip to Japan a few years ago simply because I wanted to see the cherry blossoms. So I went all the way around the world or halfway around the world just because of a tree that was blossoming. And it was one of the most beautiful, spiritual, deeply pleasurable, pleasurable trips that I have ever taken. It was full of wonder and surprise and synchronicity. And when we're following our pleasure, our life is full of synchronicity. We get to open all of these almost like magic doors because we're following what feels good. And that feeling that feels good is creating more of that and opening our eyes to how we can keep that and how we can even accelerate that. Life will always give you reasons to deal with your stuff. It's going to come up. We don't have to go looking for it, but we have to be aware of it and tuned to it so we can find those synchronicities. And when they lead us to a place that we're all of a sudden feeling sad or we're feeling tender for all the times we didn't follow our pleasure or we're feeling reactive with our partner, we have this anchoring in our nervous system of what it means to feel good, what it means to feel relaxed, what it means to feel connected to our body. And I love geeking out about the nervous system. So we'll definitely be talking about that in future episodes. So some of the other milestones and the last highlights that I just want to leave you with are the way that pleasure can relate to how you even structure your day. So a lot of women tell me, well, yes, this is an interesting thing and I'm open to trying it, 
But like, how would that even look? How would that even work? So a lot of times when we are wanting to include more pleasure in our day to day, all it takes is just a few breaths. All it takes is staying connected to your body and what feels good in your body in the moment. But I also highly suggest not only to do pleasure quests, to take yourself on an adventure just for the pleasure of it, but also to have pleasure breaks throughout your day. And my favorite time to do this is the afternoon, because the afternoon is normally when I'm starting to get a little bit sleepy. I'm starting to feel a little bit grumpy if I haven't gotten enough done that day, according to my brain. Or if something else has happened in my day that I wasn't expecting and I felt like it kind of took me away from what I was focused on. So as you'll hear in my voice, I have plenty of masculine energy in me. I'm very driven, have a lot of goals. I'm very focused. So this isn't just about always being in your feminine. But what I find is that taking pleasure breaks is really important to help savor the day and help you enjoy the day as much as possible. And then ironically, also get more done from those little pleasure breaks. So I highly suggest pleasure breaks in the afternoon before you're about to do something that's going to take a lot of energy and pleasure breaks will go into in future episodes but it can be as simple as connecting to your body connecting to your breath and doing something creative creativity is so important creativity is the antidote to the destructive energy that we sometimes feel coursing through us you know this addictive quality to check facebook a million times or to overeat or to neglect our bodies this running away of what's arising in the moment And when we're in a creative process, we're creating lots of possibility, which is clearing out those old blocks, coming to a place of creativity instead of destruction, and really giving us an opportunity to make something and to then feel like, oh yeah, I'm creating. I can create anything I want in any moment. So it's a beautiful antidote. So I I encourage you after this podcast to schedule a a pleasure break in the afternoon, maybe 15 minutes or so. You can find some of my videos on YouTube that have some different tools and use that pleasure break to come back to what feels good for you and then challenge yourself or invite yourself. Is this a pleasure that's based in accomplishment or is this a pleasure for pleasure's sake? So I don't want to split hairs. I encourage you to find pleasure for pleasure's sake, not just crossing something off your list, although that can feel exhilarating as well but doing something simply because it feels good. Now, long-term pleasure, short-term pleasure, how do we trade off those things? I know you might be thinking that. I truly believe that the body will tell us what feels the best for it and finding homeostasis and finding even better than homeostasis. Homeostasis might not be working for us right now. So for me, if I'm following my pleasure and I've been eating lots of sweets My body will start craving green juice. We'll start craving vegetables. It's smart. It's intuitive. It knows what works for me. And it always gets me back into a place that's healthy for me. Now, I might have some inspiration at times. Like, you know what? I want to do keto for a few weeks. Or I want to do the master cleanse. Not from a place of punishing myself, but from a place of what might be possible. How could I find what feels good about that? Could that give me more energy? Could that help me serve more through love? Could that help me appreciate my body anymore? So I encourage you to schedule these pleasure breaks and then to trust the wisdom of your body that if you're going off course, your body is going to course correct when you're paying attention. So let's do a little bit of that right now. Place one hand on your heart, one hand on your womb space or your lower belly. And start to breathe in and out of your mouth. Relaxing the jaw. Sending the breath from the throat as if you could breathe all the way down to the womb. And as you breathe in and out of the mouth, 
The throat area mimics the pelvic floor, so relaxing the throat, relaxing the pelvic floor, breathing all the way down into the womb. And imagine as you breathe that you're filling yourself with absolute decadence, as if it's the most delicious sensation that you've ever had in your whole life, rippling through your body with each breath. Taking a few more breaths here. If it helps to have a visual or a sensational tool like eating chocolate cake or walking on the beach, like for sure you can immerse yourself into the five senses. Or you can just be with the pleasurable, sweet quality, that decadent quality of the breath, breathing all the way down to the womb. And we're going to end with a sigh out the mouth, a luxurious, beautiful sigh. So when you're ready, inhaling through the mouth. <sighs> so thank you for joining me on this pleasure path. And I will hear you and speak with you and resonate with you soon. Thanks for tuning in and turning on for healthy love because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review. If you want more love, pleasure, and power in your life, go to violetlang.com forward slash talk. That's violetlang.com forward slash talk to sign up for a free Breakthrough to Love call. These are special deep dives only for women who are committed and ready for lasting love. If that's you, book your time now with me or my team.